everybody and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host Tony Brown and today is Sunday the 12th of June 2011. Well guys, it has been a while since I've last put out a show. I think uh, it was May 23rd when I last did one. You know, I try to put them out uh, at least once per month. I don't always meet that goal. Uh, And if I can, uh, I try to do more if possible. Uh, So hopefully this month we'll be able to get some out. Uh, I've talked about before on previous shows that usually the weekends is when I have time to uh, to actually sit down and kind of record a show. And if something happens uh, or if I've got other things coming up, uh, sometimes the shows do get pushed back. Uh, One of the things that did kind of push me back a little bit, and I think I talked about it on uh, maybe in that episode on the 23rd, which I think would have been show 55, was that I was going to have knee surgery. And uh, the long and short of it is is that I had a uh, a torn uh, cartilage. Uh, So the meniscus disc is actually what it's called. And uh, the tear had made like a little flap and that had kind of uh, uh, folded over and caused a lot of discomfort. But anyway, I got that all taken care of. It's been about probably, I guess I'm going on week three. And recovery is going well. Still have a little bit of uh, discomfort if I kneel on it, but I'm uh, as far as mobility, things like that, real well. And uh, probably within oh another couple of weeks, I'll be uh, good as new. Uh, if you want some uh, kind of some details on uh, my experience with with how that went, and uh, I'd recommend that you go over and listen to episode 39 of uh, the Arm Date podcast and I go into a little bit more detail about that. Also, you guys may notice a little bit different, uh, a little bit of a difference, I should say, in the sound quality. Hopefully, the way that I'm recording now, you'll hear a little bit more of a richer tone. Uh, what I've, I'm, I'm doing some upgrades to my equipment, and I'm in the process of getting some stuff. And the first thing that I got was a little portable recorder and it's uh, made by Ederall, which is now, I guess, Roland. And it's the uh, R09HR, for those of you guys that may have a little bit of interest in it. Uh, again, if you want more uh, more details on kind of what I'm going to be doing with the equipment and things like that, you can, again, go over to episode 39 of the Arm Date Podcast and check that stuff out, where I go into more detail of that. Bottom line is, is hopefully uh, the, the uh, audio quality that you get it may not be uh, super, super different if you're listening in the car, but I think if you're listening with earbuds, you're going to definitely notice that it's uh, a fuller sound and it's got kind of more range, if that makes sense to you guys. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our contact info. If you would like to contact the show, there's a couple of ways to do that. The easiest way is to call up the voicemail line if you want uh, to have some comments or or contribute to the show. And that is area code 206-339-3266. Again, that number, 206-339-3266. You can also, if you want to do audio for the show but you don't want to do the call, you can record an MP3 or a WAV file and then email that to me at firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Another way to get audio to the show 
sometimes with the email clients they limit you on the uh, on the size of stuff and if you're sending a WAV file those can be pretty big uh, and you can use a service called transferbigfiles.com what you would do with that is you would make your recording you'll upload it to their server with my email address which in this case would be firearmscafe at gmail.com and they will then email me and I will download it from them and then I can go ahead and edit it into the show so I hope to hear from you guys soon. I always love getting feedback. Uh, speaking of feedback, we do have some for the show today. I did get a call in from uh, Dave in New Mexico. Unfortunately, Dave, the uh, the audio quality was uh, there was so much background interference. I don't know if maybe if you just had a uh, a bad line or if. Uh, there was a lot of wind noise or something, but it was it, it was real up and down. It sounded like, oh, if you were talking on the phone and driving at the same time. I don't know. I'm not saying that was what it was, but sometimes you can, uh, with the voicemails, every once in a while we'll get kind of a poor quality one, so it may have been that. But what I'll do, Dave, is I will go ahead and just sort of do the gist of, your, of what your call-in was, uh, much like I would do an email. So speaking of emails, we also have one from John, and I also got a uh, another one from Pablo. And what Pablo did is he sent in a uh, basically attached an MP3, and then I also have another one from Brett, uh, where he has an open carry story, and we'll get to those a little bit later in the show. Now, of course, as many of you guys know, I am a member of the Gun Rights Radio Network, and I have been a member of there for. Uh, pretty much as long as I've been doing this show. And uh, a guy that was doing his show, started his up shortly before I started mine, uh, was a gentleman by the name of Eric Shelton. And if you guys listen to the uh, Arm Date podcast at all, you'll have heard a lot of the contributions that he's uh, done for that show. Uh, But Eric is going to go on kind of, I guess you would call it an indefinite hiatus. Uh, So hopefully one day he'll come back. he put out shows very, very consistently, unlike myself, and uh, his shows were always high quality. Now, I didn't always agree with every single thing Eric said, but I was—I always thought that he tried to state his position and tried to explain why he had certain beliefs, so I thought he was always uh, pretty well thought out, even with some of the things that I didn't agree with. So, And uh, I, would, I would count him as a, a friend of mine, and uh, of course, as long as... Uh, I'm doing a show. He's always welcome to uh, contribute to this show, and hopefully he'll keep contributing over at the Armed Ape. I enjoy the things that he does for the show over there. Uh, but, you know, as uh, as time goes on, sometimes uh, life brings some changes and some things that uh, don't allow us to keep doing some of the things that we like to do. Uh, but I just wanted to give him a lot of credit for a lot of the things that he did. I thought one of the things that he did that was absolutely brilliant was the 6% project. And hopefully you guys out there will continue on with that in spirit, um, meaning that you're going to actually do something. You contact your elected officials, you uh, send letters, you, uh, you, you, know, you vote, you participate. Uh, he was always a big proponent for joining, as, as well as I, uh, for joining the NRA, um, also for joining any uh, local, uh, like, pistol and rifle associations. Uh, you've heard me mention on this show numerous times uh, getting involved at the state level. 
if you're in Arizona, probably one of the better ones is the Arizona Citizens Defense League that you can join. Um, uh, another uh, national organization, uh, again, that, that I'm uh, a member of is uh, the Second Amendment Foundation. Uh, fantastic organization. They have done a lot to further uh, gun rights uh, through legislation. Um, so, you know, if, if you look at probably some of the major, major victories that we've had in the last, uh, let's just say last three years, a lot of those are coming from the Second Amendment Foundation. So they're an excellent organization to belong to. Uh, very reasonable in price. You're not uh, inundated with fundraising stuff. Uh, in fact, in Chicago this year, or uh, they're they're actually going to have their gun rights policy conference there. If you can uh, uh, join, uh, or not join, excuse me. If you can attend, go ahead and do so. It's free. All you have to do is just sort of let them know that you're coming. Uh, you get lots of good information. You get to hear lots of speakers. Also, there are going to be several podcasters from the Gun Rights Radio Network that will be there. I, unfortunately, uh, number one, don't have the time. I don't have the money. Um, so, uh, you know, the one that was here in in uh, Phoenix a couple of years ago, uh, I really enjoyed that, really enjoyed going. In fact, that's where I, I uh, met our old buddy Eric at, so... All right, I think that's going to be it for our announcement there. Eric, we wish you well in whatever new endeavors you've got going on. And let's go ahead and let's jump in with that feedback that we were talking about. Hello, Tony. This is Pablo over here in southern New Mexico. You were asking about our new Republican governor, Susana Martinez. She is very conservative, and I think will be gun-friendly. I can't find anything to the contrary about her. All indications are that she supports the Second Amendment. I've known of her a long time, since she was our DA over here in Doniana County for many years. You're correct about Santa Fe and Albuquerque being the liberal bastions here in this state. Uh, but we're also a, a high-poverty state, with uh, many people dependent on government for a multitude of things, and that equals a democratic lock many times. Um, Governor Martinez went head-to-head -head with the liberal majority here recently during her first legislative session. She tried to repeal our 2002 law that the Bill Richardson administration passed, uh, which allowed illegal aliens to obtain New Mexico driver's licenses. She didn't get it done this time around, but she did get some Democrat converts this is one of those issues, like, like so many in national politics, too, where 70% of the folks either support or oppose an issue, and the party in majority chooses to ignore that fact. Well, like Obamacare, for instance, and your SB 1070 bill there in Arizona, too. But I know she's not through with that issue and uh, may have a trick or two up her sleeve that will haunt some of those senators who voted against the repeal when their re-election bids come up next year. She did have success uh, expanding Arcady's Law, which allows collection of DNA on all felony arrests that result in probable cause being found. In my opinion, this is one of the best investigative tools ever devised. Once again, she had a vocal opposition, but she got this one done. I don't know about you and your listeners, but I would like to know the difference, or what is the difference, between taking fingerprints and or a DNA sample. I mean, no one seems to question taking fingerprints of every person booked into a jail. 
Governor Martinez, uh, she's got the liberals pretty nervous here. Female, Hispanic, and conservative. Hard not to like that. Uh, lastly, you've been having discussions about uh, the Ruger, the LCR, and I just did uh, my first gun review podcast on the Ruger LCR in 38, though, not the 357. It's up there on the gunreviewpodcast.com, so I hope you take a listen to that. As always, keep up the good work, and adios until next time. Hey, Pablo, thanks for sending that in. A lot of good comments there. I uh, appreciate you sending that in. Uh, Pablo had, had started off talking about Governor Martinez. Now, our, the other gentleman that sent in some, uh, infer, uh, some comments for us was Dave. And like I said before, unfortunately, the, uh, the audio, uh, due to outside interference and things, just wasn't usable. And what Dave had talked about was that he felt that, and it was also concerning Governor Martinez, uh, he felt that she would be good for New Mexico. He had heard that she was um, pretty gun-friendly, pretty Second Amendment-friendly. Also, he had talked to some people or met an instructor that was the person that got her her concealed carry permit. So she does, uh, prior to being a, uh, a governor, she did at least have her own uh, concealed carry permit. I don't know, if, as the DA's office, if they're allowed to uh, carry concealed in a lot of states uh, prosecutors and things like that are going to be uh, for lack of a better term kind of grandfathered in uh, so that they can carry concealed weapons just because of the nature of their job uh, and we'll get into that type of stuff a little on, on future shows I've talked again uh, or previously about how a lot of times you and I if we're not part of the um, law enforcement or not part of the courts that uh, we're basically kind of second-class citizens because we're not granted the same uh, uh, privileges the state and the privileges are in quotes uh, the state does not allow uh, certain people of a uh, of a certain caste if lack, lack of a better word uh, you know unless you're one of the anointed ones you don't get certain you don't get to exercise certain of your of your rights that you should be able to. Now, um, again with her, I don't know if uh, how conservative she is, how, how far that goes. Uh, my political beliefs tend to go very libertarian, which means in, in some things I line up on a conservative side, in some things I line up on a, a very liberal side. Uh, but the, the litmus test for me or the crucible, whatever you want to say it, for me and for my beliefs are, does it increase individual freedoms? Does it uh, help to protect uh, individual rights? Does it hold people individually responsible? And, and those are all things that I look at when I look at laws or when I look at procedures or when I look at anything like that. Uh, you had you had mentioned briefly, you know, Obamacare in, in 1070, and uh, how a lot of times the politicians just basically ignore what the vast majority of, of people want. And uh, a lot of times we see that, uh, especially in matters of uh, Second Amendment matters or gun control matters, however you want to phrase it. Uh, we see a lot of times that if you've got a, uh, an anti-gun majority, especially in your state legislature, that you really see that the, that the rights of the people really get trampled on. 
Now, another thing that you had mentioned, and this is something that I'll have to do a little bit more research on and find out a little bit more about, and I believe you called it Katie's Law, uh, which talked about getting DNA, and you'd asked about, well, what's the difference, really? Nobody really balks at um, giving a fingerprint or getting their photograph taken when they're booked in, uh, but that uh, DNA seems to be crossing the line. And uh, you have to remember that with that photograph or with the fingerprint, it's it's really just one piece of information that, that's kind of going to be used as an identifier. So with that fingerprint, I, I don't get a lot of other information that may not be pertinent. So what happens is, and the reason that a lot of people would object to the DNA testing, especially if you have not been either uh, convicted or adjudicated yet of a crime. So again, you're at this point, just because you're arrested does not mean that you are guilty and just because you've been arrested does not necessarily mean that you lose all of your rights. There still has to be due process. And I can understand the concern that people would have. I would have concerns with having to give DNA samples, especially if I had not been convicted of anything. You start to then look at things like violation of the Fourth Amendment where you're not securing your person anymore. Uh, you're looking at things like uh, there's going to be rights to privacy issues. Um, and again, just because you've been accused of something uh, doesn't mean that you're necessarily guilty of, of something. And we've, we've seen time and before, you know, we all know that our, our, our system is not perfect. Uh, I think it's one of the better ones that we have. I think that there needs to be a lot of reforms in our current system. Uh, we really need to get focused back on due process and the rights of the individual. Um, once there's been a conviction, that's a, that's a different story uh, as far as, as what we as a society says is acceptable for uh, the, whether you want to call it the state or the government or law enforcement, then is able to do. Uh, but prior to conviction, uh, I would have I have a lot of concerns with the with the gathering of DNA. Um, there is a lot of information. I I am not uh, up on genes or 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 uh, of course I would not consider myself even an amateur geneticist. So. I don't know a lot about genetics and what information they can gather, but what we've seen in the past is a lot of times when the, when the state takes information, they'll usually say that, well, if you're not guilty or if this stuff turns out, you know, we're going to go ahead and take this sample and or you know, go into your bank records or do whatever. And once we do that, if if the information that we have, if it turns out that you're not guilty, then all that information we have will be destroyed. Uh, but we see time and time again that a lot of times uh, the police or, or whatever agency is doing it, whether it's going to be the district attorney's office, they'll keep that information even though they're supposed to destroy it. Uh, many months ago, or maybe it might have even been a couple years ago, there was a story of a, of a, um, a woman who had applied for a... Uh, concealed carry permit and they denied her based on age uh, I think it was Delaware and I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that but I think it was Delaware and what they were also doing is they were supposed to destroy any records and the way that the the, the statute was was uh, worded 
it said basically any written records like that or anything that's on paper, which at the time that it was written, I don't know if they were really keeping a lot of electronic records, but they, they sort of loopholed it. And they said, well, these aren't paper records, these are electronic records, so we can keep them. So basically what they were doing is they were doing a uh, kind of a de facto registration scheme. And in this lady's instance, somebody who made the decision, he, he looked at the age of the person and said, you know what, this person is too old to have a firearm. And so they denied it. And eventually it came out and everything got resolved. But I have, I have a, uh, a mistrust that the, uh, the state will follow up with a lot of its stuff. You know, we see time and time again that the laws that apply to me and the laws that apply to you don't apply to them. Uh, or they have, a, a, they, they have some wiggle room to get around it so that they really weren't breaking the law. Uh, and we see that again and again. So that's, uh, for me, that's one of the things that I see uh, can be a problem when the police don't have to go through due process or don't have to get warrants. So hopefully, Pablo, that answered some of your questions. At least that's some of my stuff. I'm also glad to hear that you did a uh, review for the Gun Review Podcast. Again, that's one of the another podcast that we have over at Gun Rights Radio Network. And that's where you, as the listener, can do an MP3 or a WAV file. You send that in, and you can do a review on a gun. Uh, now, it doesn't necessarily have to be a gun. Um, it could be a uh, paintball gun. It could be... Uh, let's say if you had tra- you were training with an airsoft thing and how you think that that helps you. Uh, it also doesn't have to necessarily be a, a super technical thing. It can be something like, you know, these are the guns that I inherited from my grandfather or something, and this is what they mean to me. And, you know, so it doesn't have to necessarily be a review. It can be kind of your experience that you've had with those firearms. So I would encourage any listeners out there, if you'd like to do a review, uh, you can send those into the uh, the Gun Review Podcast over there. So thanks again, Pablo, and we hope to hear from you again soon. Now, I did get a couple of emails. I got one from uh, John talking about uh, Ron Paul for president. And basically what he was saying is that he, I'll just go ahead and read it. I truly agree with you that Ron Paul for president is our only logical choice. He cannot get the mainstream vote and will only take enough votes away from the GOP to let the anti-American Obama get reelected. And then that's just signed John. Uh, I would tend to disagree with that. Maybe on the uh, on the 08 campaign that would have been a little bit truer. However, I think that um, for me having a lot of libertarian beliefs, Ron Paul is sort of my best candidate. Uh, he, he's uh, he's someone that I find that I line up with in on just about everything. Uh, you're not going to find a guy who is stronger with support for the Second Amendment. You're not going to find a guy who is stronger on individual liberties and freedoms. And also, with those individual liberties and freedoms, you're not going to find a guy who is stronger in the belief that the individual is responsible for their actions and that if if person A does something wrong with a firearm, that all of us aren't punished. Uh, that person A will be punished and held accountable for what they did. Uh, as far as saying, you know, oh, he's only going to take votes away from Obama, it's going to be a hard-fought battle, whoever goes up against Obama. People just seem to have blinders, uh, especially the people that are 
uh, maybe a little bit more left-leaning. Uh, I don't see a lot of people on that side ever voting against them. Uh, and it will be, for some of those people, it will be something that will be based solely on race. They're not going to look at any of his horrible policies or any of his failures with the economy, any of his failures to keep his promises on a lot of the things that he talked about in, in when he campaigned. Uh, you know, he talked about we need, we're going to pull our troops out. We're going to uh, we're not going to have, you know, wars of aggression. We're not going to do nation building. We're not going to do all this other stuff. And of course, none of that, none of that changed. You know, he was a, a big critic of the economy, but then he spent more than anybody. Um, in the, the thing with Obamacare, you know, most, the majority of the people in this country, while they may have wanted something, you know, like a universal health care or something like that, most people were just saying, wait, wait, don't push it through. Let's let's figure out what is in this monstrosity, um, and they just you know went ahead and pushed it through. I think what will happen this election is a lot of people will will come out and will vote uh, again for him. But a lot of people who maybe were a little apathetic last time kind of see what we've gotten, and the people that didn't vote in 08 are going to now vote in 12. Uh, so I, I think he is going to have a, a pretty hard-fought battle, but we'll have to see. Of course, you know we haven't even gone through the primaries yet, so we don't know who it is. Uh, but for me, I'm going to sort of vote how I think I should vote, uh, what my kind of my uh, my heart and my head sort of tells me together, and, and they say to vote my conscience and to vote for Ron Paul because he is actually the person that I think will do the best job. Uh, his his views on foreign policy on a bunch of other things line up with mine. Uh, and they be they may be different from from some of yours, uh, but I think in general if you're a person who believes in the rights of the individual, I, I don't see how that guy how you can find really a better candidate than him. Uh, you know, we're going to be kind of handed the same old retreads, you know, uh, from the Republican side. They're, you know, squawking about Palin. They're squawking about Mitt Romney. Uh, I, I I don't know how anybody who really values freedom and individual rights and individual liberties could could really vote for either one of those two. I mean, they're uh, especially Romney. Um, but, well, like I said, we'll have to see how things go. If Ron Paul does not make it into the primary, uh, I'll have to sort of see who's running, and and uh, we'll go from there. And, and at that time, we'll we'll talk about it, and maybe we'll have some discussions on there. So uh, again, John, thanks for writing in. I appreciate it. And let's go ahead and on a little bit of a different note, I got a uh, another email from Brett, and he has a uh, open carry story that he's talking about. And I'll go ahead and read Brett's uh, email. He writes in, Hey, Tony, I was listening to your latest show and you were talking about your experience open carrying. I've got a great one for you. I live in the gun-friendly state of Virginia, specifically northern Virginia, where the Washington, D.C. mindset spills over and creates an anti-gun environment. Or so I thought. A few weeks ago, I was out hiking in the thick forested areas around where I live. Of course, I was carrying, but not in my usual inside-the-waistband holster. I usually carry my Glock 23 in an inside the waist holster 
But that day I had my 357 Magnum revolver on my hip because I had heard reports of wild pigs attacking hikers. And I felt a 40 cal wouldn't do much against one. Anyways, I'm out on this hike uh, when I decide that I needed a mocha frappuccino macchiato or whatever the heck they call them. So I walk down to the closest Starbucks and you blink around here and you'll miss at least three and walk in and get in line. After about 30 seconds, this older lady gets up and stomps out of the store. Shortly after, a gentleman who was sitting near her approaches me and says, When you walked in with that hand cannon strapped to your hip, she immediately turned to me and said, Oh my God, he has a gun. I asked what he said to her, and he said, quote, Of the five or six people in the store, she was the only person without a gun. And that's why she stormed out. End quote. I got my coffee and sat and chatted with these people for about an hour. It was great. The barista was even carrying. And for those of you guys that don't know, the barista is the uh, counter jockey. I'm heading home now and I get stopped by a county cop. Guess what? They got a call about a man with a gun. The officer who stopped me told me they had to at least investigate. He was really cool. Turns out we're from the same area. I've been in this area for about seven years and carrying for about three years. That is the first time outside the gun store where I've met anyone else with a CCW. The best part about this whole thing is the anti-gun lady got freaked out and I got about a dozen new shooting buddies. Take care. Brett. P.S. I'm going to open carry a lot more. It always has good results for me. Okay, Red, again, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. And again, I hope to hear from you soon. I love getting uh, uh, emails and I love getting content for the show. There's a, there's a few things I wanted to talk about in your email. And uh, one of the things is, is that the lady who called the police, and this, this is the thing that kind of jumped out at me, she must have gone and probably called the police relatively soon after she left. I mean, I, I don't know, but it sounds like you were in there for about an hour, and then as you started to leave, that's when the police kind of show up. So it didn't seem like it was really that kind of a super important call to them. Uh, you know. But, but they went by and checked by whenever they got the time. Now, I don't know if maybe that lady had waited an hour and then finally got so mad that she called, or, or who knows kind of how that stuff went down. Uh, but it, it wasn't a, uh, you know, a five-alarm fire type thing, and they, they didn't send out a SWAT team to investigate. Nobody pulled a gun on you. Um, so it, it does show maybe one of a couple of different things. It shows that if she called, I don't know if she called 911 or if she just called into the police department, but it does show that maybe that, at least in that area, the police there are trained on how to, or I guess I should say maybe the dispatchers or whoever's taking the call is trained to maybe get some information. And instead of just having a knee-jerk reaction, maybe they ask the, her, the lady who was calling in, certain questions of, you know, is this guy threatening anybody? Does he have the gun out? Is it just sitting in his holster? What is he doing? Is he making any type of uh, threats to anybody? Is he physically, you know, intimidating people? You know, that type of thing. Um, and when those things don't happen, then the police know that for them, eh, you know, it's probably just an open carry guy. And it also sounds like that at least in that area, that the police have been educated well enough to know that open carry is not illegal. 
and, and that you're not doing anything wrong. Uh, so I'm also glad that you got uh, made some new friends. And it, you know, sometimes, uh, and especially when uh, with concealed carry, and that's what probably 98% of us probably do. If you're doing it right, that's the whole, you know, the whole point is that nobody knows. And so you could be, again, standing in line at McDonald's, uh, in the movie theater or getting gas and everybody around you could be armed and you're not going to know. Um, and even as a person that conceals, conceal carries, you know, on a daily basis, when I go into a room or when I, you know, whether I'm pumping gas or whether at a restaurant, people are coming in, I tend to try and look and see if I can spot people with a gun. And I've, I've done it a few times uh, where I could tell, oh, that person's, I, I could tell by the way that the person was carrying, in fact, just the other day, I could tell that they had a pocket holster. Um, but to other people, by the way that the guy was, nobody would, nobody noticed. I, I, and I could tell nobody even looked twice at the guy. And really, it just looked like he had a wallet. But I, I could tell by the sort of the size and how the print of it was. So when, when other people come up or even when I'm walking down the street, I do tend to look you know, kind of around people's waist, look at their pockets, um, look kind of, you know, uh, uh, on their sides to see if I see anything that would be maybe like a, a shoulder holster or, uh, and again, most people, even for open carry, won't even notice. Uh, so again, just having a little bit of awareness, but kind of going back to that thing of a lot of times you feel maybe, man, am I the only one out here? So it is really neat that you're able to uh, to meet some people that were kind of of a like mind. And I especially liked what the guy said of the five or six people in the store. She was the only person without a gun. So I thought that was really awesome. So again, thanks so much for writing in, Brett. Really appreciate it. And I think, let's see, we did Pablo's stuff. We did Brett's. We did Dave's and John's. I think that's all the uh, feedback I have for this time. Hopefully I'll hear from you guys um, in the future for the next show and uh, so we'll go ahead and wrap up our feedback for today and I think we're going to go ahead and cut it a little short today um, I did want to put a show out and did want to get some of this feedback in uh, that people had sent in uh, so until next time you guys stay safe out there
devil has given him superhuman strength. Oh, teeny.